So we've got a little treat for you on DGU this week. The session that we had with Kaylee and I, not because I was in it at demand, was one of the most well-received sessions that we had of all of them. And trust me, there were some good ones. So we're bringing you a special episode from our demand events that we just had a few weeks back. And this is all about a topic that could not be more relevant than it is right now, which is making the move from lead gen to demand gen. So listen to Kaylee and I have a little fireside chat at demand on how she made the jump while she was at Chili Piper. And there's a ton of tactical things that you can take away from this episode. We're pretty excited. Demand Gen U is officially in session. Let's do it. So Kaylee, I'm just gonna be straight up. Usually when we get together, we have way too much fun and we have a hard time staying within the time frame of when we need to talk through things. So uh, I'm gonna try and keep you on track here. Sound good? Sounds great. <laughs> so. I'm pumped to talk to you as always, but I think more importantly, the session that we're going to be talking through at Demand probably is more relevant than any other session on the agenda, and that is moving from lead gen to demand gen. It seems everyone's talking about that on LinkedIn, uh, in the B2B marketing echo chamber, and even outside of the echo chamber. And luckily for us and everyone attending Demand, like you've done this firsthand at a couple different places. So uh, super, super timely. Yeah, I'm super excited to chat, and I hope you ask me all the hard questions, too. Keep me on my toes. And there are there are plenty. So, all right, here we go. So, uh, you are currently at Bright Wheel, but when you first really tackled this, this was at Chili Piper, which I think is where you started to really make a name for yourself. So, can you walk me through what you inherited and, and walked into at Chili Piper and, and what you saw? Totally, totally. So, look, when I joined Chili Piper, we were pre-Series A, right? So, super small. They had grown their entire name for themselves purely through an outbound motion. So marketing was still very much in that zero to one mentality. I came in with a director of product marketing that had just been hired and a director of content marketing that had just been hired. And those are the three like functional pillars that we ran with the entire time that I was at Chili Piper. So I was joining first and foremost as a full-time demand gen hire, uh, Chili Piper's first full-time demand gen hire. And came into, honestly, a lot of the same, right? So like we had blogs, we had webinars, we kind of understood our product market fit. And there had been a couple of consultants who'd had their hands in like running and dabbling in paid advertising, but there wasn't a cohesive strategy. I've been there before because when you have paid consultants coming in and out, it's kind of a Band-Aid that you need to rip off. So how did you know that you needed to rip off this Band-Aid? Yeah. Well, and so to be completely honest, when I came in, I hadn't yet had my eyes opened to the concept that lead gen wasn't an ever um, an ever nourishing strategy. Right. Like that is definitely the strategy that we ran when I was at Campaign Monitor, when I was at Kindful. Like that was also my background. Right. Like I am one of the rest of us marketers and I had been running the same strategy. It was all of us. It was myself it was, included. It's not just exactly, you. Exactly. So it's like, honestly, like my eyes were opened while I was at Chili Piper, meaning that when I came in, we stood up lead scoring. I spent one of my first programs implementing HubSpot, integrating it with Salesforce, like doing the whole thing. We had to also like throw out some content to figure out what our audience cared about, what resonated with them, all of those things. And honestly, we did that for like the first three months. And we got to this point where I was like, oh, something's just not hitting like it used to hit, right? Like, I feel like I had achieved a lot of scale before on a lead gen model and something was feeling different in the market when I was at Chili Piper. And that's when we decided to start talking about how we could do things differently. We were starting to see plateaus in our performance. Our CPCs were ever growing. Like when we were looking at a direct response attribution model, our channel performance wasn't where we thought it should be. 
And that's what pre like was pressure cooking us to have some really hard conversations with marketing and with leadership to say, oh, wait a second, like something's not working. What are we doing wrong or what can we approach differently? So we're going to get to the leadership part in a second, but I do want to talk about, you know, you run a small lean marketing team. Did you have to convince the rest of the team that, hey, I think this is something that we should, you know, change and move towards? Or did everyone else see the same thing that you were seeing? I think everybody did see the data, but in the position that I was in, because over demand gen at Chili Piper, that meant that I was like owning marketing ops, owning marketing analytics and running all paid programming. And so I was really the most attached to the metrics. Hey, small team, right? I'm sure there are plenty of no, marketers out there my, that are I'm doing that I'm not making I'm shaking my head because that is a beast. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. It's wild. But it was all so good because I felt like it did provide me with a lens to really understand how to throw things in market quickly, test, iterate, and repeat for what was working because I was so tied to that full part of our marketing motion that it was actually pretty helpful to help us grow quickly and figure out what's working and what's not. So the interesting thing when we started to migrate from lead gen to demand gen Honestly, part of it was that I had post started posting on LinkedIn, and I don't want to say that I'd like built a community, but I'd found a couple of friends that also were interested in demand gen topics, and they were really interested in some of my takes. And honestly, I was learning in real time too, but it was a very helpful motion for me that when we decided to stand up, one of our main pillars was standing up demand gen chat, which was Chili Piper's podcast and still is today. And part of that honestly just came as like a, wait, I need to learn. Like I'm feeling as though we're being like left behind. I need to step up and be a good leader for this team and know, have a better pulse on what's happening in the market. And that honestly all started by me posting on LinkedIn, which stemmed us to start the podcast and all those conversations. And that's what really started this momentum of saying, wait a second, like, how are we actually going to do this? And how are we going to invoke change? The podcast was a side project that we just kind of went rogue and did on our own, to be honest. So in terms of like convincing the team, like the podcast mm -hmm. was a side project meant to help inform me on how to better guide the team through the changes I thought we needed to navigate. It wasn't actually intended for what it turned into. I didn't even know that, so that's into. awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like we actually convinced them by like showing proof, right? Like I would get on a call and have a conversation with somebody who was experiencing issues that Chili Piper very well could solve. And we would have open dialogue and just honestly like explore exploration together on like, what's your problem? How, you know, how could Chili Piper help or how could Chili Piper not? Like, what are your marketing problems? And that turned into like me giving that content to our product marker. And I was like, wait a second, watch this. Do you hear what he says here? Like we could totally help with this. And then it grew. So honestly, it was like us just jumping off of a cliff for like a personal like exploration that turned into a huge part of our demand gen engine. That's amazing. I love hearing that. So you cheated a little bit. I saw on LinkedIn this week, but I'm also very envious because it was a very veteran move to do. You mentioned that we were doing this chat and you were trying to see what questions people had. So I had put together this outline before we've recorded and before you posted that. But one of the questions that also came up was how do you sell this to your leadership team? Because I think that's somewhere I have run into issues with in the past and it's not as simple as just, hey, we're going to change up everything. Yeah. And not have those conversations with leadership because leadership is so trained to expect the same metrics for marketing. So how did you do that? Because that is one of the most important parts of all of this. Exactly. No, and it totally is. And I think obviously every like reporting structure and hierarchy is going to be different depending on the size of your company, the stage of growth. All of those things are going to be a little different. So for us at Chili Piper, I think I had the luxury, quite honestly, of reporting directly to our CEO and co-founder, which gave me really good visibility into like his overall vision for Chili Piper and how I really felt like marketing could be plugging in more directly to those growth goals. 
what I had done, so for full transparency, I had been off for eight weeks having a newborn and had a lot of time on my hands to be dreaming about going back to work and what that would look like. And that's when I had really started thinking about this podcast and standing up and building more of like, uh, I don't want to say community because community has a lot of like loaded meaning these days, but like truly building a group of fans that would, you know, move us through this motion and help us build Chili Piper in a way that was like truly impactful to the needs they had in their day to day and bringing them along for the ride, which not that we hadn't done that before, but the pieces had just never been connected. And so, um, you know, I, I'm sure everybody's heard the phrase of mom brain. Mom brain was a real thing for me at the time too. But to help me get back into the groove of it, I honestly just wrote what I call the centers of excellence document about demand gen and how I saw that function, not only within Chili Piper, but demand gen at large, really shifting based on buyer behavior. And I tied all of that into like some of our internal issues that we were experiencing at Chili Piper in terms of growth and like overall CAC guardrails and all of those things with really like buying behavior and how I see this world shifting and then exactly how we could plug into it. It was a really long document. And thankfully, Nicholas, the CEO over at Chili Piper is really receptive to documents. And he loves that, especially in an async world where we're all remote. I shared that with him. And that was like our first one-on-one -on -one when I returned from mat leave, just to have a conversation for 30 minutes about what he thought and his reaction to this document. And it went so well, right? Because like the document allowed me to go ahead and uh, go ahead and like get ahead of objections that I knew he would have, right? Because at this point, I've been working with him for almost a year. So I knew how his brain thought and how he would like counteract some of the things I was really excited about um, with, you know, fact or financial models or all of those things, right? And so it was great. He could go ahead and dive in, get a look at my brain. And we had a 30-minute conversation about how I really felt like I could crawl, walk, run into this instead of just jumping off the cliff and like fully changing everything we're doing. Like what I'm asking for in this conversation is permission to crawl. And permission granted, like he was like, yes, no concerns with crawling. We had like very specific outlines for what it looked like to crawl, what it looked like to walk, what it looked like to run. And the crawl was like no concerns. And it actually, the crawl phase went so well that we like walk ran kind of combined into the same motion. But it very well could have also been like a good opportunity for us to pull back if we hadn't quite cracked the code. So I love a couple of things in there. One that Doc sounds badass. So if there's any way that we can get our hands on that and include this Absolutely. in the post event stuff, that would be unreal. Um, two, to convince an executive in 30 minutes uh, that, hey, this is something that we should do is pretty impressive in itself. So good on you. And then three, good on me, but also love... good on him, right? Good on me, but <laughs> yes. good on him, right? I think that all goes back to like what Dave Gearhart says too. It's like, you need to find a CEO that gets marketing and thankfully he yep. understood it. So I think that's also like a very important part of the dynamic. If you're in an environment where you're working with a CEO or your boss for that matter, whoever you're reporting to doesn't quite get marketing in the same lens that you're really seeing it and feeling um, like some high degree of confidence around, then that's also going to be like a really hard barrier to overcome. Totally agree. And then I think the last point is the the crawl, walk, run analogy. And I think I've learned that uh, by messing things up and uh, more experience when I used to try and run right away. And I think a lot of B2B marketers who are trying to make this switch just immediately assume they have to run or sprint uh, when in reality, crawling probably is the right first step. So Walk me through what that crawl looked like for you and the rest of the team at Chili Piper so people can understand. Yeah, so very tactically crawling for us meant that I was going to produce three episodes of a podcast with three influential players that I had chosen beforehand that all represented very specific buying personas in our market. 
Uh, and I that meant I had no internal support, no copywriters. I'm not a copywriter for anybody listening that I don't know. I am not a copywriter. I had no help in like crafting how we were going to actually like book these people, secure them, what we were going to talk about or producing it. Right. That was the first three episodes. And that was the crawl. And I it just meant like basically going rogue, which is why we didn't have a lot of like internal communications to like get the team on board with like what we were doing because we were literally just crawling alone. And then it took off, right? Those first three conversations produced so many audiograms for us, so much that we could use for like social distribution and like content across multiple platforms. It sparked up so many good conversations between demand gen and our product marketing team that our product marketing team could then go back to our product team and have conversations about maybe some ways that we could innovate and build our product for where the market was today. Um, and then ultimately, like, obviously the production quality was really bad. And so it like made a good case for me to need help with a videographer to actually come on and one direct me, right? Because I'm not, like, I'm not, I'm, you know, I don't have any experience doing this either. Um, but to direct me and coach me to become a better host and also to make all of our actual outtakes like far, far better than they ever would have been with just me. So you mentioned podcasting is a, really the component of that crawl stage. So once you started to walk outside of podcasting, you know, I mean, that's really the engine, but what else were you doing to try and move towards, you know, being a full demand gen engine? Yeah, for us, that meant like pulling down all of our gated content, right? So when I first got there, we had guides, we had webinars, all those types of things. Webinars are a little bit different, like once they're hosted on your site, because they do need to be transactional. And obviously, there will be a gate there for transaction. But in terms of like promoting it online, like there doesn't need to be an extra gate there. It should just be like the outtakes from the webinar are like hard value for your customers and prospects that you should be giving to them. That in and of itself was a huge motion change for us. Like that meant like literally meant that we were moving away from lead gen forms across every piece of content that we offered to providing value directly in feed for our prospects and our buyers, um, which meant huge shifts in how we actually gauge success for our programming. Um, and I think those were actually the bigger hurdles, right? Like producing the content and having meaningful conversations with buyers and customers, that was like low, low risk, low ask, right? The next piece that came in the walk phase was actually a really big ask, right? We had to fundamentally realign how we looked at success for all of our marketing spend. It's kind of like you looked at the outline already because that's the next section that we have to go into. So <laughs> perfect. So let's talk about that because I think measurement is one of those areas where unless you've done this before, you're kind of flying blind in that you can't just use the same leading and lagging indicators when moving from lead gen to demand gen. So yeah, not to give you PTSD, but walk me through all of that because that is the most challenging part in all of this, I think. It really is. I think it is the most challenging part. And for us, it all really came down to having a high level of conviction for how our buyers were actually engaging with our content, If especially if it was paid, right? It's less of a risk if they see you on organic LinkedIn and then click through and like convert, then it's like less of a game of attribution in because you don't have dollars at stake. It's the piece of the funnel where you're spending dollars and not able anymore to like directly attribute sourced revenue from the dollars you spent, right? Like that's the magic in the whole thing. So what it meant is like at first we were moving to a holistic model, dollars in, dollars out, regardless of looking at a direct response like model by channel. 
So like we still had, obviously we had HubSpot for marketing automation and Salesforce for our CRM. So we still had all of those native fields that are built into HubSpot for attribution for first touch and last touch. All of that was still there. So we knew what the metrics had looked like from a channel perspective when we were full lead gen and could now compare that to what they look like when we're now demand gen and we're not dating everything and we're not putting things behind lead walls. And honestly, like it didn't actually shift that much. Like a huge percentage before was still coming from direct and organic. We shift and a huge percentage after is now coming from direct and organic. The shift was actually that we could tell one, we started asking customers, how did you hear about us? And all of them were saying, oh, I, fo I follow you on LinkedIn. I found you on like a LinkedIn sponsored ad. We're thankful to sell into marketers so they understand the difference between sponsored content and organic content so they could tell us some degree of certainty of where they actually heard about us. And obviously the podcast started coming up over and over and over again. And we're using organic and paid for distribution of the podcast. That helped us attribute success to the muscles within the meat that were actually like working. Um, but our MQL to close run rates increased dramatically when we started moving this, which created enough air coverage for us to actually be successful in a demand gen motion, right? Our lead to close one values before were really low. We 3 x that when we moved to a model where we were running a full demand gen engine. And that allowed us like air cover between us and our leadership team to say, this is working, this is working. While at the same time, we're building this engine of getting a better feedback loop from our customers and prospects that are coming in the door. How did you hear about us what specifically was it like did we say something did you hear something that like builds this drumbeat for us to go and continue building that we didn't have in this lead gen model right it's like oh they converted off of this random gated content asset maybe they like this content asset or maybe the attribution itself was completely wrong right so we're kind of building in like a blindfold motion before whereas now we've actually opened up the store to have real conversations with buyers so that we can actually build stuff that works, which was truly providing enough coverage in the data for us to actually go and make it work. There's definitely a period where we were like blending the models, right? And all of the stuff that we were seeing on the demand gen side versus the lean gen side was actually really compelling to help us make that switch. So novel concept, you know, actually creating content that your buyers are interested in and creating a feedback loop and acting on it. I wish more people did that. Uh but I digress. Uh, so it's a, uh, I think one of the things that, you know, we did the same at Metadata when I first started, but it's, um, it's scary at first when you're making this jump. And I think for me, I wish I had, you know, listened to more people on what to do and what not to do when first making that jump. So just kind of run me through either the, the good lessons learned or the painful lessons learned uh, that, that you, you know, basically learned while making this shift at Chili Piper? Yeah, I think for us, if we would have stood up a better way to talk to our customers via like, hey, after you submit a demo request, like, how'd you hear about us, right? Like every e-com brand under the sun after you buy like, I don't know, a new t-shirt asks you like, how did you hear about us? And for whatever reason, like B2B this is, is just never- This is a new never... t-shirt. I just got that email literally today. So yes. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Right? So like every e-com business gets that muscle, but for whatever reason, B2B SaaS just like totally forgot that part of the game where it's like actually important to have conversations with your customers. 
I was feeling that from like a very tactical standpoint early on when I was having conversations through the podcast with potential customers and existing customers. But we didn't unlock the like muscle to use it on the back end of demo forms, contact form, pricing forms with the sales team. We didn't unlock that until we were in this like flux mode where we were leveraging a lead gen model and a demand gen model. That's when we felt, oh, we should just ask them like what it is that worked for them and got them to convert. I wish we would have developed that much sooner because I think it would have made the transition period a lot smoother, like from the beginning. Now, you mentioned sales too. Were there any lessons learned from uh, how you went about this with sales that you wish you could have done differently, you know, had you done this over again? I think sales enablement would have been a huge like muscle, even for me, right? Like I'm definitely not a um, trained or skilled product marketer by any means, but I did have a unique position at Chili Piper because our primary buyer is demand gen marketers and I was the demand gen marketer. So I think in another world, like it might have looked a little differently, but specifically at Chili Piper, I wish that I would have leaned faster into sales enablement for the sales team for some of the conversations that we were having. They actually ended up being really impactful, but I didn't learn until significantly later in terms of like how many episodes we had produced that our sales team was actually finding value in leveraging some of those clips to get over objections and challenges and blockers with prospects while they were on the call. It just hits differently, I think, selling to marketers and taking advice from a marketer versus selling to marketers and trying to take the word of a sales rep who you know is getting comped based on commission for closing this deal. It hits different. And so I think there was like a different resounding level of trust when these prospects would hear me and another like, you know, well-established marketer, like having good dialogue about problems we could solve in the space. And I ne that thought had never crossed my mind that, oh, I should also probably be selling like packaging these in a way that are easily digestible for our sales team at will to be able to be like, oh, I'm on this call right now with this prospect who's having a hurdle about X. Let me go into this Google Drive folder and find if we have any like content, like video content for this, this hurdle, right? I, it never crossed my mind. So I'm not laughing at you. I was laughing because we go through the same exact thing at Metadata too with our sales team and with prospects and whatnot. So, uh, I second that big time because our sales team thanks us for that with DGU too. So exactly. we've got a couple minutes left before we uh, unfortunately have to say bye. The Google Drive, can you kind of walk me through what you remember, like how you set that up? Because that's not even something that we're doing and I kind of want to steal it. Oh yeah, for sure. You can totally steal it. So what we ended up doing is like we had one view in a like, okay, folder that's like DGC. So folder for you, that's like DGU. And within it, it was like, episode, there was one folder that was ordered by episode just by pure chance that somebody was like, oh, I want to listen to the latest episode. They could just scroll down and grab that. There was a secondary folder above that in the hierarchy that was organized by objection. So like if our customers or prospects were having specific challenges, like every company has like probably a list of like four or five things you normally come up and maybe lose against. We had organized folders based on those objections. So um I don't know, for instance, if we normally lose to XYZ competitor and we happen to have a clip of somebody saying like, oh, I ended up going with Chili Pepper for this because this other company just doesn't cut it when it comes to XYZ. Cool. Like you can come in, you can say objections, you can say, hey, losing to this competitor and there's your clip. So we organized it by objection. Um, we had gotten to a point towards the end there where we were also starting a secondary folder to organize by actual like product functionality. 
because people were coming in and asking for very specific feature functionality on how we compete against our competitors. Um, and so we were starting that folder as well. And I think like that was the quickest way to get in from a sales mind on how they think about like foldering and like organizing um, content. So I would love to uh, riff if somebody has other ideas. <laughs> that was not planned. And that was money uh, for everyone who's <laughs> attending this session and for me. So I'm pretty pumped how that turned out. But Kaylee, this was amazing. We are just about at time. You're a badass, you know, way more than I think you give yourself credit for. And I learned a lot from this. So I know that everybody else will too. Uh, you're the best. This was so great. Thank you. Thank you. And look, hey, for anything that like I can share that I've said that I can provide extra context or help, just know that I love nothing more than helping and continuing to grow others and myself. So would love to riff. Love it. Alrighty. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Demand Gen U. If you want to hear more, make sure to subscribe to get future episodes. You can also submit a specific topic you want us to talk about by DMing us on LinkedIn. If you like the show or want to share feedback, please leave us a review. It'll help us keep improving and get the word out to other marketers just like you. This podcast is brought to you by Metadata, the first demand generation platform that launches paid campaigns that self-optimize to revenue. If you're looking for a tool that makes it easier for you to build audiences, launch paid campaigns, and experiment at scale, you'll love Metadata. B2B marketers at Zoom, Okta, and ThoughtSpot use metadata to automate the time-consuming parts of running paid campaigns so they can focus on the things that matter.